Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts it's wednesday october 19th i'm oscar ramirez in los angeles and this is the daily dive On Monday, hearing aids became available for people to purchase over-the-counter without the need to see a doctor first. The FDA cleared the sale of these, and it's seen as a win for those with hearing loss. But before you go out and buy one, make sure to do your research. There will be a lot of different models at different price points, and you'll need to choose the best option for you. Nina Keck, senior reporter at Vermont Public, joins us for what to know. Next, this year we have seen close to a record number of poultry die because of the bird flu. More than 47 million have died due to cullings or infection, as farmers are battling a different form of the virus, which will keep infection threats elevated into 2023. As more birds die, it's affecting poultry prices heading right into the holiday season, coupled with record high inflation. Tom Polancic, reporter at Reuters, joins us for how the bird flu is hitting the U.S. Finally, are you susceptible to getting a lot of mosquito bites? It might be because of the way you smell. Researchers at Rockefeller University have found that people who have a higher level of carboxylic acid on their skin could be up to 100 times more attractive to female mosquitoes. Teddy Amenabar, reporter at the Washington Post, joins us for why you might be a mosquito magnet. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. This potentially impacts millions of Americans with about 40 million Americans suffering from mild to moderate hearing loss, and only about a fifth of them actually being fitted and having access to hearing aids. So this is a huge game changer. Joining us now is Nina Keck, senior reporter at Vermont Public. Thanks for joining us, Nina. Oh, my pleasure. Well, let's talk about what to know about the new rule with hearing aids. Starting on Monday of this week, you'll be able to buy over-the-counter hearing aids in a variety of different places. Yeah, Walgreens are going to sell them, CVS, Walmart, Best Buy is even selling them. And, you know, this is a big shift from uh, what the process from before. You know, you had to go to a doctor, maybe see an audiologist get fitted for the hearing aids. And now you can do it all on your own. 
but obviously there's a lot of things to know about. You got to look into the products, do your research. It's really important. So Nina, tell us a little bit about the rule change first, and then we'll get into uh, some of the tips that people should be uh, exploring before they go buy them. Well, the FDA rule change was a long time coming. Back in 2017, Congress basically told the FDA that they had three years to develop standards for safe and effective over-the-counter hearing aids. And it took five years instead to get those standards set. So people have been waiting for this for a long time because, for one thing, people wanted a more convenient way to buy hearing aids. You just talked about how you'd have to see a specialist and have multiple visits you know, with an audiologist. It's time-consuming. It's expensive. And for people that don't know, prescription hearing aids are pricey. They can run you anywhere from $2,000 a pair up to $6,000 a pair yeah. or more, depending on the bells and whistles that you get. And Medicare and most private insurance companies or policies rather don't cover the cost. So the prescription hearing aids were big ticket items. There was a lot that you had to go through to get them. So these FDA rules that were set out back in August now define over-the-counter models that they have to meet certain standards for labeling, for instance, for safety. They can't go too far into your ear, for example. They have to have certain effectiveness standards. And they have to have variable volume control for consumers. And a good rule of thumb is when you're out shopping for these devices, look for the word hearing aid on the label. That'll set them apart from like personal amplifiers and things that are less costly and that are, have been for sale for years. Yeah, you know, when you talk about cost, uh, right before we did this story, I walked over to a colleague here at work who I know has a hearing aid, and I, you know, I asked him, can I ask how much it was? And thankfully, he said he, you know, he goes to the VA, so the cost was zero or very minimal to him, but he's bought hearing aids in the past, and he said, yeah, $3,500, $4,000. I was like, wow, I just did not expect to hear that number. And so for now, right, this is for people who think they have mild to moderate hearing impairment, you're having trouble hearing in groups, or you got to turn the TV up really loud, or you ask uh, people to repeat themselves a lot because you just can't hear it. You know, these are the people that that it's going to be helping out. If, If it's something more severe, you probably still should be going to the doctor for all of that. But one of the things that was really shocking, they said that a lot of times when people find out they have some type of hearing loss, they often wait five to seven years before they go get a hearing aid. I mean, that's pretty amazing too. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that I was shopping at a Best Buy or browsing at a Best Buy this past weekend for hearing aids with my 88-year-old mother. And she is exactly what you just mentioned, one of those people that put off buying her first set of hearing aids a lot longer than she probably should have because it's so expensive. But a lot of people don't want to deal with the stigma of hearing aids. That might even be a bigger roadblock for some people. And also the process that you mentioned, people may not want the hassle of going through all of those visits. I talked to a 27-year-old tech reporter from Slate who actually wrote about this. He lost hearing suddenly when he was 24 in one ear. And he said it cost him thousands of dollars to get all sorts of scans. He spent months working with an audiologist. It was great. He ended up buying, I think, a $3,500 hearing aid that helped, but he was out biking with friends a year later and lost it. And he just said, I I have put off buying a replacement till now when it's easier to get. And he's one of those people, Oscar, that can do the research and can navigate the technology involved with 
setting up one of these over-the-counter hearing aids. It's something that, you know, we haven't talked about yet, but what sets these new devices apart from prescription hearing aids is you don't have to go through an audiologist. That may make it easier, but then the onus is on you, the consumer, to make these devices, whatever it is that you buy and take out of the box, to make it work. And that may be tricky. That's a critical point right there because uh, you made mention in the article too, right? Sellers have to include any details about the return policy on the box because it can take three to four weeks to probably adjust it, especially since you're doing it yourself, right? There's benefits to still going to the doctor, getting it custom fitted. You can have them monitor the hearing loss as that might progress. And now you're doing it on your own, which is fine. It's cheaper and it might be a better fit for a lot of people. But those are uh, really important things to to consider is that it's going to take a little bit of time to dial it in. And you want to make sure uh, that you have enough time to return whatever hearing aid you buy if it doesn't work, because you may buy the absolute best over-the-counter model there is. But if you can't figure out how to work it, maybe you don't understand the app that you have to download or maybe the web interface that you're supposed to use to calibrate your hearing with this new device, if you can't get that to work for you, it's a waste of money. And one of the, the big cautionary things I heard from a lot of audiologists that they are concerned about is the fact that if somebody who buys one of these over-the-counter devices does not have any luck with it, they may just say, oh, you know what, hearing aids are not for me and not, not try a different device or, you know, get help from a professional. So that, that could be the trade-off. Nina Keck, senior reporter at Vermont Public. Thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. My pleasure. So it has spread very rapidly through populations, and a lot of the birds that come here um, hang out in big groups. So if we if we get an outbreak, it could hit us very, very hard, very fast. Joining us now is Tom Polancic, reporter at Reuters. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Glad to be here. Well, let's talk about the bird flu right now. We're getting close to a record number of poultry in the U.S. that has been killed either by infection or cullings. When birds get, uh, you know, in big flocks and, you know, commercial flocks, all that, whatever it could be, you know, a few of them get the bird flu. The whole flock needs to be culled, unfortunately. And uh, right now what we're seeing is that more than 47 million birds have died from this already. And the, the virus, a different form of the virus right now is what farmers are battling. So, Tom, help us walk through some of this. What are we seeing with the bird flu affecting so many places right now? Yes, the bird flu is really widespread across the country this year. 42 states so far have flocks that have been infected since February. That's twice as many states affected as in 2015 when the U.S. had its worst ever outbreak of bird flu. In 2015, more than 50 million birds died. And so the country is now closing in on those losses now. Yeah, we're right up on that number already. And tell us briefly how birds do contract this, because my understanding, we've talked about this before on the podcast, you know, wild birds kind of flying overhead, you know, their droppings might fall onto a farm or something, and then boom, that's how things start spreading right away. Exactly, yes. Commercial poultry flocks of chickens or turkeys can become infected if they come into contact with feces from an infected bird or feathers from an infected bird. The infected birds a lot of times this year are wild birds like waterfowl, ducks, and geese. 
And so the farmers are trying to keep out the wild birds by plugging up holes in their barns and making sure that the workers on the farms don't track in any feathers or feces into the barns where the poultry live. And what do we know about the virus itself? From my reading, it says, you know, it's a different form of the virus. It's lasting later on into the the warmer months, things like that. Yes, it's quite surprising for a number of people in the poultry industry. In 2015, when the U.S. had its most deadly outbreak, the outbreak ended completely in June. And this year, the outbreak has extended into the fall. We're still getting positive cases. The U.S. Department of Agriculture says it's a different form of the virus this time around, and it survived through the summer when hot temperatures normally reduce the bird flu. And this different form of the virus is also infecting a wider variety of wild birds that can then transmit the disease to poultry. Now, let's talk a little bit about the ripple effects, because obviously it's awful that the birds are getting this. It's awful that whole flocks need to be culled, you know, when things like this happen. But the ripple effects, you know, when this is happening, especially in commercial areas, prices start to rise. The prices of eggs go up. The uh, prices of turkeys are going up. And um, for some of these places, it takes about six months for these farms to decontaminate after things like this happen and to resume production. It takes them some time to get back up and running. First and foremost, it's devastating to the farmers that uh, have to see their flocks destroyed because of infections. And then uh, eventually the ripple effects of those losses are starting to hit consumers. This year, we've seen egg prices go to record highs. And we're also seeing prices for turkey meat go to record highs just before Thanksgiving. So it's really an extra pain for consumers at this time when we're already seeing soaring inflation. Yeah, definitely. So we're experiencing inflation. Everything's going up in prices anyways. But you had the numbers here in the article that the retail prices for fresh, boneless, skinless turkey breast reached a record $6.70 per pound last month. That's up 112% from a year earlier. That's a hell of a lot of a price increase right there. Um, What we're also seeing in all this too is a bunch of export and import restrictions that are going on. I think China suspended imports from Arkansas, which is one of the biggest producers, the third biggest producer of chickens raised for meat. So the impact on food prices is uh, definitely uh, unwanted for American consumers now. As you mentioned, you know, we're seeing this big increase in uh, turkey meat prices. And uh, another uh, aspect of this is just as you mentioned, we're seeing reduced exports of poultry products. Countries like China, uh, Mexico, they impose restrictions on imports from the U.S. when the U.S. confirms cases of bird flu. You know, these importers are trying to avoid getting the disease also, so they shut down the shipments coming from the U.S. Tom Polancic, reporter at Reuters, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the research out of Rockefeller University says that people with higher levels of this carboxylic acid are more likely to get targeted by female mosquitoes. Joining us now is Teddy Amenabar, reporter on the well-being team at the Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Teddy. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, this is a fun one. Are you a mosquito magnet? If uh, you find yourself getting bit by mosquitoes quite a bit, it could be because of how you smell. I love the subheading for this article, so I'm just going to read it. Your body is a big protein shake that smells like stinky feet for hungry mosquitoes. Um, It all has to do with like acids on your skin and whatnot. There's some researchers at Rockefeller University in New York that were looking into this. So, Teddy, tell us a little bit more about it and why some people are prone to getting mosquito bites more often. We all have this natural moisturizer on our skin called sebum. It's this waxy material, and one component of it are these carboxylic acids. And we also all have millions of bacteria on our skin. It's this skin microbiome. You also hear about microbiomes in our stomach. And the bacteria on our skin will eat the sebum And the byproduct of that is even more carboxylic acids. And and so these acids can turn into an odor that mosquitoes pick up on and then target you. So the research out of Rockefeller University says that people with higher levels of this carboxylic acid are more likely to get targeted by female mosquitoes. Yeah, they said that 100 times more attractive to the female mosquitoes if you have a higher uh, amount of this acid on your skin. And so how did they do this research? They didn't put people in a box and uh, let mosquitoes attack them. They went about it a lot better way. But how how did they get to uh, this determination? 
Yeah, yeah, that was one of my first questions, and I was going to feel really bad for the participants. So the researchers got nylon stockings, and they had the participants in the study put the nylon stockings on their forearms and wear it throughout the day. And then the researchers took nylon, cut them into these two-inch pieces, and they put two at a time behind two different trap doors in this plastic box. So a plastic box about the size of a small desk. They would have dozens or so mosquitoes in there, and they would open up these trap doors, and the mosquitoes can choose to either go behind door number one or, or door number two, depending on which scent from either nylon stocking they like more. And so the researchers did this over the course of three years. It was this round-robin tournament where they competed every participant against each other <laughs> wow. to then figure out, you know, who had the nylon stockings with the, the most attractive scent. It would have been uh, a pretty great if they kind of did an interview with the person who ended up being the biggest mosquito magnet, you know, because in their uh, research, right, they described a person known as Subject 33, who was the favorite. Like they said, they're totally undefeated. All of the mosquitoes always wanted that particular uh, patch of, uh, of nylon stocking, right? So just to be able to know what that person thought about being the, the biggest mosquito magnet would be fun. Now, a part of this, as you mentioned, right, so that acid and the bacteria eats the acid and, you know, creates this smell or odor. They say it could smell like cheese or smelly feet or whatever. But people aren't necessarily walking around smelling like that per se. I mean, this is a, a tiny odor markers that mosquitoes are really just adept at smelling. So the lead researcher, Leslie Vossel, told me her lab doesn't smell like cheese or a locker room. These are really faint smells that you can't really detect. And I mean, I mentioned that the nylon stockings were going on people's forearms. Like people weren't sweating into these. It was just that their natural scent and right, right. odor from their skin was getting picked up by the stockings. You know, you're not a mosquito magnet because you're necessarily a smelly person or whatever. It's this how uh, yeah, no. this, this is how exactly the mosquitoes find you. They even said, I guess you can even be breathing and it's alerting mosquitoes already that you're kind of in the area. Now, the whole purpose of all this, obviously, is finding out now that, uh, you know, this acid on your on your skin can make you more prone to it. It could help them in finding things that could either eliminate that better or maybe mask it a little bit more because they say perfume and cologne doesn't really work to mask that stuff. And, and some of the researchers said if you really want to try not to get bitten so much, take a shower, clear off the bacteria, clear off the, those acids off your skin. Yeah, I mean, the tough thing is the microbiome of bacteria on our skin is actually really useful. So you can't just say, okay, let's just do away with the millions of bacteria on our skin. That that wouldn't make sense. So you then have to get to either how the original carboxylic acid in that natural moisturizer I was talking about before, how to somehow negate that or to reduce that. Or you have to figure out, okay, the bacteria is making this sebum into a byproduct and of carboxylic acid, how do we put use a probiotic cream or, or something else to try to reduce that or counteract it? So it's kind of a tricky question. And yeah, it is a little concerning that cologne or perfume doesn't really <laughs> mask anything. And other researchers said, you know, that weren't involved in this study per se, they said, you know, it's probably a lot of other factors too. It's not just the carboxylic acid, but uh, uh, for this study, that's kind of what they identified there. So if you get bitten by a lot of mosquitoes, that's uh, uh, one big reason why. Teddy Amenabar, reporter on the well-being team at the Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Psst, there's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell. To saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline, and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, platinum status is earned with 12 fill-ups over three months, 10-gallon minimum per fill-up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com status. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.